Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Olivia's Obscura. It is me. It is your beautiful, funny, radiant, kind, generous, cool, sexy, and humble host, Olivia. Welcoming you back with open arms for another episode of this here podcast. Now, we all know that I can't get the fucking audio right on this podcast ever a day in my life. Um, But I'm going to bring it up again because I'm working with a new mic today. Okay, new mic alert, new mic goofing. Brooke, friend of the pod, certified Obscura head, has blessed the podcast with a new mic. Okay, so this is a better microphone than the cheapo one I had been using, which quite frankly, I still have a soft spot for and I won't be getting rid of it, despite the fact that this one does sound much better. I just think I might need to keep the little tonor around. Okay, you never know when you might need it. But this one records on the front and the back, okay? So this opens up a whole new world for us, Obscura Nation. We are going to have face-to-face fucking interviews on this podcast now, okay? I'm going to have someone sitting right across from me, and they can talk into the back of the mic, and I can talk into the front of the mic, and it's like it's two different mics, but it's one. And so never again will we have to you know, struggle through an episode like we did with the daddy's or no, not daddy's perfect little girl. It was the one I did with Montana, the deadly daughter switch. We were both talking into one mic and it sounded, you know, not like I would want it to. I would want it to sound better because I think that we deserve to be heard. I think that women, (laughs) I think that women's voices talking about lifetime movies deserve to be heard. Okay. Don't discredit women's hobbies. Women are allowed to have hobbies, i.e. talking about three different daughter-related Lifetime movies on their public podcast platform um, over the course of one week, okay? That is normal. That is healthy. But yeah, it was my birthday on Wednesday. I'm recording this on Saturday. It's the 27th of January. Um, I turned 26 on January 24th. And okay, well, first thing I'm going to say is that I think that it is a fucking shame that golden birthdays are wasted on people aged 31 and under. Like my golden birthday was when I turned 24 and like, yeah, it was like fun. Like I remember me and Ty, it was actually a fucking awesome birthday. We went to Palm Springs and stayed a couple nights at this super cool hotel that I want to go back to so bad. It was called Lake Cactus. If you're wanting to go to Palm Springs, Cannot recommend that hotel enough. It wasn't cheap, but it also wasn't as expensive as I felt like it should be for the, like, amenities. It was very much like a boutique hotel. They didn't have very many rooms, and it was just, like, beautiful. I love I love in, being in Palm Springs because you, it feels like you're in, like, a little painting. Um, like, I feel like I'm in, like, a fake little world, but that's not the point. And the point is that now I can never have a golden birthday again. I, that already happened, and, like, I didn't – I don't know, like, I guess I didn't seize it like I wish I would have. Like, why, Like, what's that one quote? I, I was trying to quote, I always am trying to quote something on here that I don't know, but like, what a shame that like life living is wasted on the youth or something. I don't know. Some, I don't even know the, the real quote, but it was something to the effect of that. And like, what a shame that golden birthdays are wasted on people under the age of 31. Like, I would have been really pissed if my golden birthday was like number one. Like if I was born on the first of a month and I literally was unconscious because I was a baby. But I just think that it would be really awesome if I could have like a golden birthday when I was like in my 30s or 40s. I don't know. It just kind of gives you something to look forward to. Um, I used to not think I used to not be able to picture my life past the age of 30. Probably until like 
probably until I turned 25, to be honest with you. <laughs> and now I kind of see myself living into, um, like, I, I picture a future, like, of me in my, like, 40s and 50s, but I don't really see myself, like, getting old or, like, ailing ever in any way. I'm actually going to talk, this is, I didn't mean to get started on this right now, but I am going to talk more about that later because it has to do with the TikTok that I watched and getting old and dying, et cetera, et cetera, but in, like, a fun way, okay? Like, we're going to, we're going to keep it light. We're going to keep it pithy today. Um, I'll get into that a little bit more later because I have to loop back to the fact that I'm talking about this new mic we're, we're talking into today. This was a generous birthday present from Certified Obscura Head, Brooke. Okay, everyone say thank you, Brooke. Thank you, Brooke. We, that's right, we have our first venture capitalist here at Obscura Pod. What I, okay, what I was going to get into is that today's episode is going to be just a fucking nonsense, shoot the shit episode. I have some vague agenda items that I, I'm going to use to keep me on track, but I cranked out those three episodes last week. Those were like, you know, I had to like, when I do the movie video, movie videos, when I do the movie episodes, I take a lot of notes and I like, I don't like script it, but I essentially, it's like a script, but like not, not scripty. You know, it's like a bullet point script. <laughs> so it's like not a script at all is what I'm saying. But it is a bit more like, I don't know, like, and I just feel like I can't veer off track. I don't feel like I can like, shoot the shit for like 15 minutes beforehand but today I just want to fucking talk I just want to shoot the breeze I want to keep it light we're keeping it fun we're keeping it kind of silly maybe a little bit maybe we'll get a little deep I don't know you never know what you know about rolling down in the deep you guys remember that song I feel like I was just listening I feel like I heard that f- song coming from like a TikTok that Ty was watching this morning or something. I feel like an astronaut in the ocean. That was so bad. That song, that song was so bad. I, where I live, our apartment is situated behind a gym and the gym has like these big open like garage doors that they open every morning and close every night and they blast music from inside the gym. And it used to be a problem. We used to call, like, I used to be a fucking Karen and call, like, the non-emergency line and be like, hey, this gym is playing, like, the loudest music possible at, like, 5 o'clock in the morning, which is, like, not a reasonable time to be playing music, quite frankly. Like, it's, we're very much in a residential area. So it was just a bit disruptive. They've knocked it off, thank God. But they still play music, like, during the day like during reasonable hours they've just kind of pushed it to be between like 8 and like 9 p.m which it used to literally be from like 5 in the morning to like 11 at night I swear to god they never sleep the people who go to that gym are just like pumping iron they're just getting so swole 24 hours of the day because they're just always there's always music coming but recently I've noticed that You can tell who's like working at the front desk or like who's working at the gym because there's different playlists that people cycle through. And so I'm assuming it depends on like who's working there and who's plugged, who's on aux, you know, whose phone is plugged in. Um, But someone recently has added Strip That Down by Liam Payne into their like rotation. Whoever is like in control of the music going over the speakers at the gym. And so the past few days... Every couple hours, I will hear, because I keep the windows open. I'm like a big fresh air girl. I need the windows open. I need the light coming in. I need the air circulating. So I have the windows open. 
And so, and, and I'm, I'm being serenaded a couple times a day with strip that down, <laughs> blaring from the gym speakers, just wafting into my apartment. And it cracks me up every time. I can't even be mad. It's like, if they're going to play any song, I'm so glad that it's stripped that down. You know, it could be worse. Every once in a while, they also play Paper Planes by MIA, and I get down to that one. When that one comes, that's a sign from God, okay? If the gym starts playing Paper Planes by MIA, you kind of just have to surrender to the music, you know? They let it take over your body, mind and soul, even. Okay, I'm going to start off with going through all of the... I've watched a ton of movies lately. Not a ton. I've watched a few movies, okay? Okay. But for me, it's a lot of movies because historically, I have not been a movie watcher. I have been, I'm like, I was, you know, historically and still am. But like, really, it used to kind of be like a personality trait of mine that I didn't like movies. Like, I really just never like sat down and wanted to put on a movie. I would be down for like a YouTube binge that lasted three hours. I would be down for an entire season of a show in one night. But a movie? No, I don't have time for that. What are you what are you talking about? But last year, over the course of 2023, I'd say that that kind of shifted. And I'm kind of in a little bit of a movie phase right now. And you know, I still am not very like op- like I know what I like, you know? I know that I like thrillers. I like a good like early 2000s rom-com I like a stupid like raunchy comedy like those are kind of the ones where I'm like okay like if you put that on like I'm gonna probably like it I know that I don't like anything science fiction anything fantasy anything that's like period pieces really like don't I'm not on fire for period pieces unless of course it's like mid-century like I would say anything like 1950 and beyond I'm into Um, But, like, if we're talking, like, 1800s, like, Victorian era, even before that, pilgrim shit, I'm really, I don't know why. It's just, like, I can't get into it. Maybe I should, like, reflect on why I can't relate to, like, people who lived in different times than me, but that's for another day. So I've been kind of, like, knocking off some, like, movies that everyone's always been like, oh, my God, you you haven't seen this movie? You haven't seen blah, blah, blah? And so I've been, I have, like, surrendered to a couple of those. I've watched a couple of those. Um, me and Montana have kind of been like really into like a, like a movie, like we'll get together on like a weekday afternoon and we'll just like bust through a couple movies. And so that's been kind of helping me. I feel very cultured. You know what I mean? Like, so now when people say like, have you seen, for example, Mad Max Fury Road, I can say yes. And I don't have to say no. And And for them to then be able to respond, what? You have to see it. Like, yeah, I know. Everyone says that about every movie. No, I don't have to see it. What are you going to do? Shoot me? Montana and Ty and I watched Mad Max Fury Road. Didn't get into that one. Didn't like it. Um, Montana, like, loves that movie. And so does Ty, I think. And so I, like, had high hopes. I was like, okay, like, I don't know. I don't have like the exact same taste as you guys, but like I can get into like a little bit of like an action moment, you know, sometimes like I I can vibe with that. You want to know what I didn't like about it? The makeup, like people's like makeup and like looks were like genuinely sickening to me. Like the guys with the, um, like there's these guys that had like these black like rings around their eyes. Like they just looked like sick and disgusting. And I don't know, like I'm usually not 
like squeamish about stuff like that, like stuff that I know is special effects usually doesn't bother me. But like the way that some of the people had like their faces like stitched together. I don't know why it wasn't sitting right with my spirit. It was making me a little bit queasy. Um, the other thing was that I, I was watching this in the middle of the day while I was trying to like multitask. I was like trying to do some like website stuff. I was multitasking. I was on my laptop and I can like comprehend a movie and be doing work on a, my computer. Like I can usually do that if there is dialogue. If I can listen to, I, I'm a real, I, you listen, I'm a podcast girl at heart, okay? So I like to, I do listen to my movies on occasion. Usually I can keep up with something, you know, if I'm on my phone or on my computer or whatever. But Mad Max Fury Road had no dialogue in it. <laughs> like there was, it was just like loud noises, fast driving, yelling, stuff like that. And so I, I couldn't really like, I couldn't keep tabs on the story without watching the movie, which yeah, I, I'm not faulting the movie for that, okay? I'm not saying that it should have been dialogue heavy so that I could, you know, be sending emails <laughs> and understanding the movie at the same time. I get that movies are a visual medium and I was supposed to be glued to the screen the whole time. Um, but first of all, the makeup special effects made me nauseous. Second of all, I had shit to do. So I... And end of the story is I didn't end up looking at the movie that much. And so therefore I had no idea what was going on because there was really no, I couldn't actually even really tell you any conversation that was had during the movie. Um, but yeah, I can see why, like I can see why that one, you know, is so popular. Like the practical effects, like, yeah, are impressive, I guess. Um, they were telling me that like all of the, like actors, like extras in it were Cirque du Soleil performers, which is like cool. Like that's cool. But like, I don't know, like for me, it, it wasn't for me and that's fine. Not everything is for me and I can get that. The other one that we watched, Montana and I watched uh, Promising Young Woman. We'd never seen that and we've been meaning to watch it. Holy shit. I fucking love that movie. I want to watch it again. I literally, the movie ended and I wanted to watch it again. I just loved it. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was shot beautifully. I thought it was like, I love a revenge story. Um, so yeah, I fucked with that heavy, you know, like, yeah, I love, I love taking down men, you know, and I love, I, I like, I do love revenge. Like I'm foaming at the mouth for revenge. I, I, I don't know. That's just something about me <laughs> is that I love a revenge plot. And that movie really just like, checked all the boxes of what a movie should be Carrie Mulligan acted the absolute shit out of that role oh Jennifer Coolidge was a brunette in it which I know this movie is from like four years ago and so like everyone's probably seen it but I don't think I've ever seen a role where Jennifer Coolidge was a brunette she had like shoulder length brunette hair and that really threw me I did like really like the ending and it was like a slow burn like it was never me and Montana were watching it and we like thought that the whole time it was going to turn like really violent at some point or like turn into like, I don't know why we had it. I had it in my head at least that like at some point it was going to turn into like kind of like a quasi slasher type thing. Um, but it never did. The way it ended was like such poetic justice. I can't recommend it enough. If you haven't seen Promising Young Women, Young Woman, sorry, singular, definitely go fucking watch that. Okay. 
Another oldie but goodie that I'd never seen, but I watched with Ty the other night, was Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I'd never seen. I was aware of it. I was aware of its impact in the zeitgeist. Like, isn't that quite literally the movie that Brad and Angelina met on the set of? I got to fact check that real quick. I'm not confident in my early 2000s pop culture knowledge. I was a baby. Okay, so yes, Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt did meet on the set of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and he was married to Jennifer Aniston at the time, even though later on when him and Angelina got together, they claimed that they fell in love while filming that movie, even though he was married. Anyway, I don't know why I expect men to do anything good or cool ever. I enjoyed the fuck out of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, okay? I don't know why I'd never seen this. This movie is literally right up my alley. I love like a heist moment um, or any kind of like spy vibe. Like I do, especially when there's like a girl spy involved. I kind of, I tend to gravitate more towards girl girl spies than boy spies just because I can definitely excuse like a hot girl killing people, you know? I think that's fine. (laughs) There's a Mr. and Mrs. Smith remake coming out. And I think it, it has Donald Glover in it. And then I think her name is Maya Erskine. Erskine? I don't quite know how you say her name. But um, it looks pretty funny. Like, it looks kind of like, I don't know. It looks like a remake of a movie. <laughs> I don't know. I'm not really selling it super well. But um, I was down to watch the original, you know, and, like, prepare myself. Because I, I'm probably going to watch the new one. And um, fucking loved it. It was funny. Genuinely funny. I was laughing. Um, Jen, what's your name? Fucking Angelina Jolie was serving looks, face, body the whole time. So good for her. Um, I don't know why. Okay. It cracks me up when people like, okay, Jennifer, why do I keep wanting to call her Jennifer Aniston? (laughs) Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt in that movie were supposed to be like regular, regular, like, you know, suburbanites who are just like fucking chilling in their normal house and they're like bored of each other and whatever. Not convincing when you have two people that look like that playing those roles, right? Like I just, there is no universe in which people that looked like Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt did at the time would be living in the suburbs with regular jobs and like they didn't have regular jobs you know like they were spies and I get that but like I don't know like I just would I just would think that a modeling agency would have just snapped them up like if the if they were if those were real people existing in in the Mr. and Mrs. Smith world like they would have never they would have never just had to like work and pay the bills oh my god and then the other movie that Montana and I watched um a couple weeks ago was a killing of a sacred deer and I had prior said previously said that I probably would never watch that movie because I didn't think I would like it turns out I didn't know what the fuck it was about turns out I turns out like I think I thought it was literally about a deer okay because I'm like such a I'm like an Amelia Bedelia type apparently and I just like take everything literally so I just assumed I wouldn't like it because I I don't know I guess I thought like well I don't want the deer to die (laughs) That would make me feel bad. But that wasn't what it was about. It was, in fact, about um, like this creepy little weirdo freak who like essentially places a fucking curse on this doctor's family as like retribution. Um, I actually don't know if it was a curse that he placed as like revenge for a botched surgery that he had done. 
at one point. That movie, holy shit, was the most uncomfortable watch of my entire life. I was, I had never seen the director of that movie, apparently has done some other projects, like I think The Lobster and a couple other ones that Montana had seen. And so she kind of knew what she was in for in terms of like, the sheer discomfort that I was about to experience. I didn't know. I wasn't prepared. I'd never seen any of this other, this guy's other projects. Um, but it was just like, it was kind of torturous to almost watch like something about it. Like it said, I, I could only describe it as like the whole time, like for the entire duration of the movie, you were in fight or flight. Like I never ever knew what was going to be said what was going to happen like the dialogue in that movie is so like foreign it's not foreign it's not in English but it's written and the way that the lines are delivered have like no emotion behind them and they have no um like there's actually quite literally no character development in this movie like we learn some like facts about the characters but there's never any like connection fostered between them like it's very very interesting I'd never seen a movie like this before and I mean at this point like I'm just kind of like fucking sold on any movie where they have Barry Keoghan playing like a fucking weirdo freak because he does it beautifully um like I, I don't know why people were just like let's start typecasting this guy as like an unsettling weirdo but whoever kind of like put him in that in that box like really killed it. But I was reading, of course I of course I went online afterwards. Of course I went time for me to look up everything about this movie and the director like uh, like purposefully made every character like devoid of characteristics and like character development and like there wasn't any like there was intentionally supposed to be like no feeling behind the words that they were saying because you weren't supposed to like be attached to the characters like as a viewer you were just supposed to be kind of like an objective third party who is like basically making the decision of like was what this person did to this other person justified simply based on like actions and so that was like interesting. You know, that's interesting. I think I don't really like to think that much and respectfully, you know, like I love people who make like thinking movies and The Killing of a Sacred Deer is definitely a thinky movie. But even if you're not there to like English teacher the fuck out of the movie, like it's still a really good watch. That's coming from a dumb bitch who doesn't like to analyze the fuck out of movies like some people do. I know that a lot of people get a lot of joy out of like absolutely like the way the joy that I get out of like analyzing uh, song lyrics some people get that out of movies um and so they like to sit down for a movie and think and think really think hard about it I don't I did think a little bit about this movie though and I really liked it so I think that even if you are if you're kind of like dumb bitching around and you just want to watch a movie like I would still suggest it because it was just like a good watch and yeah, like the thing about the way the dialogue was delivered is that it was, you know how when you're in like middle school and you're reading or high school or whatever and you're reading like Romeo and Juliet in your English class and everyone, like people in the class get assigned parts to play and you're just like, 
like popcorn style reading off the script. Like that's how people were reading the lines in this movie. It was like they were reading it off of a script, but like with no inflection, you couldn't read like any emotion behind any of the dialogue. And it was really interesting. Okay. I liked it. Um, so I'm eating my words. I said that I, I was probably never going to watch that movie because it doesn't seem like a movie that I'd like. Hard disagree. It was like a really iconic kind of psychological thriller and I you serve me a psychological thriller like on a plate and I am just like eating it like people eat pie at a pie eating contest no fork no fingers I am just sticking my face into the bowl and fucking lapping it up okay (laughs) switching gears Oscar noms came out last week the Barbie movie (laughs) Yes, I'm going to talk about this, okay? But it's not going to be what you think. Or maybe it is what you think. I don't know. I don't know what I don't know what side you think I'm on. Um, and I'm sorry for assuming. You know what they say about assuming? Makes an ass out of you and me. Um, long story is people were pissed that Ryan Gosling got nominated for Best Lead Actor, but Margot Robbie didn't get nominated for Best Lead Actress, and Greta Gerwig didn't get nominated for Best Director. Even though Barbie got nominated for Best Picture and... The thing that I don't hear anyone talking about is that America Ferreira got nominated for Best Supporting Actress. The girls were getting their panties in a twist about the fact that Greta and Margot did not get their noms. There was a statement that Ryan Gosling put out like after the nominations where he said, quote, And I never thought I'd be saying this, but I'm also incredibly honored and proud that it's for portraying a plastic doll named Ken. But there is no Ken without Barbie and there is no Barbie movie without Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie, the two people most responsible for this history making globally celebrated film, end quote. So he like made like the fact that he even made a statement about this, like it almost feels contrived. And I don't know, like, am I being too cynical? Am I being like... I know I'm like kind of like a little bit of like a Hollywood conspiracist, not in like a QAnon way, but in like, you know, everything is fake kind of way. Everything that we see as like the lay people, as like the audience, as the viewers, like it's all fake. It's all an illusion for what's going on, like behind the scenes. Like, I don't know. I know that my brain is fucking rotted from blind items. Okay, I know. So maybe Ryan Gosling just like put out that statement out of the kindness of his heart but it's almost like the whole thing feels a little bit like a stunt and a little bit scripted I mean yeah Ryan said it dude it was a history making globally celebrated film so why does it need an Oscar like that is just like another like a made-up metric like every people in Hollywood and people in the music industry and whatever and what have you are just like always chasing made-up metrics And, like, I get that it would have been really cool. Like, I'm sure, like, for Margot Robbie and Greta Gerwig, like, individually, like, yeah, it would have been fucking awesome for them to go home with the little golden Oscar, right? But as far as cultural impact goes, and as far as the amount of people who watched that movie and loved it, including me, I've watched the Barbie movie probably five times since it came out because it's just, like, a good watch. I just, I, it entertains me. I think it's funny. I visually very appealing. It's just like a good, like comfort movie. Okay. I love it. Um, and I, I don't know why we need an Oscar to like validate that Greta Gerwig did a good job making this movie or that Margot Robbie did a good job 
making this movie. <laughs> like the praise was already there. The money they made, they already have. Why are we up in arms? Why in God's name do we have Hillary Clinton <laughs> breaking her silence to say that she stands with Greta Gerwig and Margot Robbie because they didn't get an Oscar nomination? Like when I, I actually thought that tweet, like when I saw the um, screenshot, I, I thought it was satire. Like I was like, there's no way that Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton made a response to this, but she did it. Like it was real. I was gagged. Like girl, talk about something else, anything else or else get off Twitter and like go for a walk in the woods or something. I don't know. She was like doing that for a while. Go back into the woods, queen. Get off Twitter. Okay. We don't be quiet. Stop talking. I don't know what I'm trying to get at here, but like, I don't know. I guess, okay, my overall kind of like thought when it comes to, actually, I think I need to, I need to, <laughs> maybe I need to back up here a little bit because this to me ties in with like stan culture and like fandom culture. Like people who are on Twitter, like the Swifties who are on Twitter that are like, begging people to stream Cruel Summer so it reaches number one. Like the Ariana Grande fans who are begging people to stream Yes And so it reaches number one. Like all of these groups of fans like need validation from some metric that the artist they love is good. And I just don't get it. Like I, I love Taylor Swift's music, okay? I don't care <laughs> quite frankly if cruel summer reaches number one like if anything like I, like let's gatekeep you know just kidding just kidding we're not there's no gatekeeping cruel summer okay that was a joke but I don't need a song to be like number one on the billboard charts for me to feel like validated for liking that song I don't need a movie to be nominated for an Oscar or win an Oscar for me to feel like, oh yeah, like I guess I do like this movie now because the Academy said that it was good. Like girl, who gives a fuck genuinely? I just, I just want to know like why the average, I get why the Oscars and stuff like that is so important for industry people. And like, if you're like a smaller producer or director or something, like having an Oscar nomination or win, like on your resume, I guess, I don't know. I know those bitches don't have resumes, but you know, whatever the Hollywood equivalent of that is, like, I know that that can help them like secure future success. Um, but like, like Greta Gerwig doesn't need an Oscar. You know what I mean? Like she's going to keep getting projects and she's going to still be able to make movies. She's a white lady. Okay. Like she's going to be okay. Like she's going to be able to make movies. Okay. Like the Oscar, because she didn't get an Oscar nom, like she's not going to be like blacklisted from Hollywood. And so I don't get why when the Oscar nominations came out last week, like everyday people were, kerf were in a kerfluffle about Margot and Greta not getting nominated. And I, I was just kind of like, I get the principle of it, but like, first of all, just on a basic level, like, why do we care? Like, we don't know these people. We are not them. Them getting an Oscar or not doesn't affect me. It doesn't affect whether or not I liked the movie. I liked the movie regardless. And on top of that, why would people expect the best from the people in charge of the Oscars? You know what I mean? Like, first of all, I don't even think that they fucked up in their nominations. 
like I think that Margot Robbie was like awesome in that role. I think she fucking killed Barbie. And I think that more like that was like a cultural moment. You know what I mean? Like all of the press, all of the pink red carpet looks like Margot Robbie like was Barbie. And like that was iconic. And and she doesn't need an Oscar to like prove that. And like regard like let's say okay because I can't even say like fuck the academy like they didn't get it right because like I think they did like I didn't even see killers of the flower moon but like Lily Gladstone is nominated for her performance in that and she is the first Native American woman to ever be nominated and that's like super cool and why are we as a culture like celebrating that and like elevating that here's what I'm trying to say is that I'm not trying to give any credit to the people who are making the decisions about the Oscars um even though I think like it is really cool that um like some women of color are getting nominated like America Ferreira was nominated for the lead actress and like I don't even like America Ferreira has fucking had some awesome roles like better than her role in Barbie IMO and so yeah she deserves that but she's deserved it before too but remember, I think it was like 2017 when the Oscars, hashtag Oscars so white thing happened. And I don't know, like, I kind of feel like that is when, like, everyday people started, like, looking to these award ceremonies with a bit more of a critical eye, or, like, at least I did. And, like, I still like to partake. I like to look at the red carpet photos, you know what I mean? But, like, I don't really care, like, who wins what because I like the the academy like this board of people who is like sitting sitting up at the top making all these decisions decisions that was like I really chewed on that word there sorry that was kind of gross slushy my mom would call that a slushy s (laughs) I don't know if that is gonna land with anybody because I think it's made up (laughs) but of course I wouldn't expect them to make decisions or make nominations that I would agree with because historically they haven't been known for, you know, making the most like diverse or popular opinions. And I think, okay, that's not even necessarily a bad thing because movie critics and, and industry people are watching movies for an entirely different reason than I'm watching movies. I am sitting my ass down on the couch or I am going to a theater with a bucket of popcorn to watch a movie because I want to like have fun and enjoy myself and be entertained. And that's me. You know what I mean? Some people like to go to the movies and like really think about it. They like to be, they like to ask questions and, you know, criticize it. Uh, rightfully so like I think that criticizing media is beautiful and like we should be able to do that and people should be able to do that um because it's not fun when everyone has the exact same opinion like it's like people need to have different opinions on stuff like not everyone can sit down and be like oh my god Barbie was the best movie in the entire world like or else like that I don't know like that's just kind of not that's just kind of like not how the world works you know Like, I've never understood when people take... I keep going back to Taylor Swift, but it's just because, like, I'm in the Taylor Swift circles, okay? So, like, I see all the insanity. And, like, I just never get it when, like, Swifties get, like, personally offended when someone says they don't like Taylor Swift. Like, girl, I don't care. Like, I I don't like to listen to 
Mac DeMarco, you know what I mean? Like, so I don't expect you to like everything I like, you know? So yeah, I don't know what my like point was there. That was like really rambly. And like, I don't even think I like got to the core of what I wanted to talk about, but that's okay. Like I contain multitudes and like I can unwrap that package another day if I want to. But like, basically I'm just trying to say that like everything is subjective and good movies that a good movie like isn't a fact like a good movie to someone else is a bad movie to a different person and a movie that someone else liked is a movie that someone else didn't like and even I like I say a lot of the time like I can recognize a good movie when I watch it and I don't have to like it or I like a lot of movies that I recognize are bad like we can exist in the nuance right and like don't even get me started on the fact that like that the people on the internet like the internet uh, I'm tr- I'm not trying to sound pretentious or condescending but I am saying that like I don't know the people who are like active on Twitter and TikTok and stuff um generally speaking to really oversimplify it a giant group of people kind of lack the ability to think and see in nuance okay respectfully respectfully and I think I fall into that too and I think that I really try and I've tried over the past like few years to be able to like think and see and nuance and not everything has to be completely good or completely bad. Like, and that's a lot of things, but, but in this specific instant, I'm talking about like movies and media. And I feel like this kind of weaves into another thing that I just thought of, which is that the past couple of weeks I have heard so much about the mob wife aesthetic, but I haven't heard it in, in the context of this is the mob wife aesthetic. You should be dressing this way. But instead, I've been seeing like the backlash to it. Like I I haven't really, I didn't ever see an influx of like people on my TikTok for you page saying like, get ready with me in the mob wife aesthetic or whatever. Like, no, like I never even saw that. I just immediately got sent to the side of like TikTok and YouTube and Twitter where people were like, I can't believe that the mob wife aesthetic is trending like first it was clean girl and then it was eclectic grandpa and now it's mob wife and I'm like well I wouldn't even have known that if it wasn't for you guys saying that like by being against the trend people are perpetuating the rhetoric that the trend is in does that did that sentence even make sense by getting on threads or twitter or tiktok or whatever and saying oh, first it was clean girl aesthetic, then it was eclectic grandpa aesthetic, and now it's mob wife aesthetic. I can't keep up. You are perpetuating the very thing that you are against. Like you, because it sounds like people are irritated with this constant trend cycle, right? So then stop thinking about it. Like when I, when I, when the mob wife aesthetic entered my like general psyche and I became aware of it, it didn't change a single thing about the way that I went through my day. I was like, okay, like I genuinely, I don't know anybody in my own life that adheres so strictly to the trend cycle. And I'm not saying that nobody does. I'm just saying that out of the people that are close to me, all of my friends, the people that I interact with, I don't see those people cycling through aesthetics like none of my friends went straight from clean girl aesthetic to eclectic grandpa to mob wife like that just didn't happen like most everyone has kind of like this median aesthetic of how they dress and what they look like every day 
And so I know that I'm getting so much content geared towards like, you don't have to fall victim to the trend cycle. Like just wear what you like, wear what you want to like. And I get that overconsumption is a like like a terrible thing. And I know that like, I mean, I know people like I I think I'm an overconsumer in ways. I know people who are overconsumer. Like we all none of us are perfect, right? <laughs> like we all like I'm I am fucking up so many things in so many different ways. And that's the human experience, right? Like I cannot be morally pure or good or whatever ever, no matter how hard I try. I could die trying. But I, I, I've been seeing so much content from the space of free yourself from the, the narrow trend cycles. But I personally am not seeing anyone struggle with that. And I know that that sounds so rich. It's kind of like, I know that sounds like someone who's like, well, I don't know anyone who's depressed. So how can depression be real? Like, I know that's what it sounds like, but that's not what I'm trying to say. Like, is are people falling for these narrow like popular aesthetics as deeply and as heavily as we think they are like I really want us to rack our brains and like I th- I'm not even saying this to like try to prove a point or be right I like I'm just trying to like start a conversation and like think a little bit I don't know I know I said I was against thinking earlier but I'm kind of like feeling it right now I hope you can excuse me um, you know, I do contain multitudes, as I always say. I want us to rack our brains and think if we know anyone personally in our lives that has switched through these very specific like TikTok aesthetics in the way that we think people do. Because I don't think that very many people or maybe and like maybe it's because like I'm not in college, like maybe this is more of a thing around like college like the college population or younger, like high school, middle school, or maybe it's like a different, like it's like a class thing. Like maybe I'm just not friends with like people who are rich enough to change up their entire wardrobe and aesthetic every three months when TikTok decides a new thing is cool. But I really don't think that that people are falling for these kind of like really specific aesthetic trends the way that if you scroll through your TikTok for you page, you would think they do maybe. And I hope that makes sense because people are like, you don't have to switch your entire wardrobe over to fit the mob wife aesthetic. Like you can just keep wearing what you're wearing. And I'm like, yeah, did anyone like think that they were going to go like burn all of their current clothes and go out and buy an entire closet full of vintage furs? I like, I don't think anyone actually saw that the mob wife core was trending and sincerely thought that they were going to have to overhaul their entire life to fit into this aesthetic you know I don't know I don't get it overall I think there's like a lot of really good and necessary and interesting commentary about like trends and fashion and personal style and I know that a lot of people it was a really popular TikTok maybe about a month ago of this guy talking about how young people want the like eclectic grandpa aesthetic because they want to feel like they have this full life full of things that they've collected and experience that they've collected because like an eclectic grandpa you know like he's wearing like a cardigan sweater that he got in Argentina in 1972 and he's wearing like a hat that he got in Boston when he was there in 2002 or whatever like there's stories and like reasons behind like everything that makes him eclectic and you can't like just 
achieve that by going to Target and buying those things. And like, I think that is like an interesting conversation to be had. And the thing, I this has not left my brain since I saw it. In the comment of the TikTok that I'm referencing, and I'm going to try to find it. I don't remember who it was. I don't even, I, I'm going to try to find it and I'm going to try to link it somehow. Um, but the top comment on that video was, people are trying to commodify personality now. And I'm like, yeah, like that is so true. And that is such a succinct way to put it. But like with all of these things, with the eclectic grandpa aesthetic, with the mob wife aesthetic, with pretty much any aesthetic that you can think of that's been in the zeitgeist recently, it's because people want the personality and the life and the experiences and the richness behind that aesthetic. And so they're trying to, yeah, like they're trying to commodify having a personality. The way you have style and taste that people are drawn to and people like is by having it be authentically you. And I know that's tired and I know that's like not a revolutionary thing to say, but it is important like for me to remember sometimes I'm like, oh, I like I all the time think like I hate everything in my closet. I just want to throw everything away and get something new. But like that's not going to fix like that's not going to fix the way I feel about myself. That's not going to fix. That's not going to make my life any richer or fuller. And in fact, like I don't know, like maybe someday I'm going to be lucky enough to be like an old person and not be, you know, dead from nuclear warfare or something like that and I'll have a closet full of fun and cool pieces that I've collected from my travels and over the years of my life and like that's going to be really cool but I'm not going to be able to have that none of us are going to be able to have that kind of like curated collection of things that we've accumulated over our lives if we just keep throwing out everything that we own and buying new stuff to fit in with the current trends like in order to be an eclectic grandpa like you kind of have to like go through your life to become an eclectic grandpa like in order to be a mob wife like people like yeah the vintage furs are are alluring and the big hair like I will say like I love a maximalist moment I love a I love a bold glamour like I love a chunky jewelry like yeah like overall like I will say the mob wife aesthetic very much aligns with me because I was never a clean girl I always have messy hair and pimples <laughs> and I'm never like I'm not, I, I'm just like not a slicked back bun girl you know so like I do feel like the mob wife aesthetic aligns with me a little bit more but regardless it's like the thing that's I think alluring in theory to people about the mob wife aesthetic is not like the the clothing itself it's like it's the fact that like Carmela Soprano is like a fucking icon you know what I mean like and just putting on a vintage fur coat and like a bold lip isn't gonna turn you into someone that has the same experiences as someone who is literally married to someone in the mafia, you know? I don't don't know. I don't even know what I'm talking about anymore. I'm like an hour in and I've said like everything and nothing. But yeah, there's like a lot of really smart people and like well-researched people and well-spoken people who are talking about this and I don't know. I've just been like noodling on it though, you know? And so I just kind of wanted to like riff riff around a little bit um yeah I don't know like I I think trends are fun I don't like first of all I can't afford to to buy into every trend like I'm still wearing the same like target wild fable sweater that I bought in 2021 you know so 
I don't know, like I'm maybe not like the target audience for that, but like I really, I, I'm kind of going to go back to like my initial point of like, is, are these fast trend cycles, are people falling, are people really falling victim to them as much as TikTok would have me think? Like I really, like, and I am interested, like if anyone like is listening and has like a friend or a younger sister or something who like, multiple times a year completely overhauls their aesthetic like please let me know or if you yourself do that like like I want to know when I want to know like why because I know there's a reason like I know your people aren't just doing it for the heck of it like I know that there's so much to be said about like belonging and community and the way that you present yourself and the way that affects the communities that you're in and the way people perceive you and like I don't know I'm just curious because I I'd say I've had the same type of personal style since I was about 15 years old like I've kind of just been wearing it's been elevated and it's evolved slightly but I will say that the core like silhouettes and like outfits and like pieces that I like now as someone in my mid-20s is kind of the same as it was when I was like 16 years old you know what I mean and so just because I haven't evolved much in terms of my personal style I am curious about people who do have that experience and who have maybe gone through many different iterations or variations of like aesthetics or trends that they follow anyway that's all I'll say let's move on I'm switching gears again and I need to talk about a TikTok that I saw literally earlier today um and I was like I quite literally need to discuss this on the podcast and I'm going to play you the TikTok. It's LexRNBSN on TikTok. Her at is at Traveling Nurse. I like don't know anything about her. If she's like bad and problematic, I don't know. Okay, I'm sorry. I haven't had time to do a full on background check on LexRNBSN on TikTok. But I did think that this video was really interesting. And she is talking about like the future of elderly care and aging in America. And I'm going to play you her response right now it's going to be euthanasia hear me out i know this is a really controversial take uh but i want everyone to really think about it for a second we have a population of people who we are not going to be able to support as they get older i don't even mean the healthcare infrastructure only i mean yes they're incredibly understaffed underfunded the people working there are underpaid we just don't have the infrastructure in our country to support what's coming what's already here honestly and it's gonna get worse covid really showed us the flaws in our healthcare system no one can afford end-of-life care no one has it in their retirement and even if they did it's honestly not enough people end up in medicaid systems they lose everything they have and they end up in medicaid really poorly run poorly uh, poorly funded systems and it's going to be everybody we we can't even afford to support ourselves uh those of us with children have to support our children how how is someone going to support their aging parents especially in an economy that's forcing two adults in a household to work full-time plus it's not going to happen so if we can't take care of the aging population we don't have the means because healthcare system is so not stable enough to do it privately outside of government assistance and we're relying on the government what do you think what do you think is going to happen? What do you think they're going to do? Really think the government has some sort of really well thought out, well structured plan? No. One, they're really going to ignore it until it's just right in front of their faces in about 10 or 20 years. But if they do, I, I really do think that conversations about end of life care are going to start more frequently, especially like Medicare annual wellness visits for seniors. And I do think that they're going to start bringing up euthanasia. Not like bring it up, like not not so bluntly but right now euthanasia and 
that, that there's different categories of that, but it's basically managed at the state level, legalized at the state level, with only a few states in America really allowing for that at this time, and it's around terminal illnesses. I do think we are going to see a big shift in that in the next 10 years. Honestly, maybe sooner than that. I think we're going to see a conversation shift in society in general about, it's really dark, but I, I, don't, I don't put it past, not to be like a conspiracy theorist, but... There's just not enough time to change the infrastructure that we have to support the aging population. All right. Do I think that was a little bit fear-mongery? Yes. Do I think that was intended to get a lot of engagement and bait on TikTok? Yes, because you kind of have to be rage-baity or fear-mongery to get views on TikTok. But I think the essence of that argument is really, really interesting. That as the population grows older, the health infrastructure just like can't handle them. And people do not have money in their savings to support them throughout retirement and so yeah like what are we gonna do and this is something that I I don't okay I I don't want to have like a weird like sad conversation I just want to like talk about this like it's like a fun normal gals giggling okay we're gonna talk about death <laughs> and euthanasia okay I go way back with assisted suicide and I wrote a paper about this when I was maybe a sophomore or junior in high school, because Oregon, I think, was the first state in which, like, physician-assisted suicide was allowed. Yeah, the Oregon Death with Dignity Act went into effect on October 27th of 1997, and it was the first law of its kind in the United States. And for those of you who don't know, I did grow up in Oregon. So this was something that I, I remember writing... A paper about in high school for an English class, I think, arguing for physician-assisted death, basically. And that is a viewpoint that I have not changed since then. And I've just even gotten, like, stronger in my beliefs that people should be able to, like, choose when they die. And, like, for me, it comes down to, like, I'm pro-choice. Like, I, I think that I'm pro-choice when it comes to a person who is pregnant deciding to terminate a pregnancy. And I'm also pro-choice when it comes to adults deciding to end their life on their own terms. And I know that like that is ethically so controversial. Like that is such a hot take. And I would never get on TikTok and say this <laughs> because I know that people would go fucking crazy. But that's why I have this podcast because I can say whatever the hell I want. And like Usually people don't give a fuck. But yeah, I do think that genuinely most people, if not all people, should have the option to choose when and how their life ends. And of course, the Oregon Death with Dignity Act and the states that have similar laws, like it's not available for anybody. It's for people who I think most of the time the requirement is that you have to have been diagnosed with a terminal illness that your prognosis is not beyond like six months or something like that and you also have to be like of sound mind and like capable of making like decisions about your health care and like communicating those decisions but I don't know I don't even think I think that is even like a bit of a a wiggly one like I don't know how do you how do you decide if someone is capable of deciding of whether or not they die like that's their decision and I just kind of think that forced life isn't okay when it comes to forcing someone to give birth to a baby they don't want. 
or forcing someone to live under circumstances they don't want to live under. And I, I feel like that is a take that could be very easily misconstrued. And like I was saying earlier in a very different context, there is so much nuance to this. But like as someone who is pro-choice at my core, I really advocate and like believe in like physician assisted death and euthanasia honestly and so when I saw that TikTok pop up today I was really excited to like see the conversation happening because in the comments people were like really open to it and like really having good observations and comments and conversations people weren't just like against it because I feel like there's I don't know why I feel like when people hear like euthanasia like they just think that that shouldn't be able to happen like that's something you do to like your family dog when it has cancer because like I've thought about in the future getting old you know what I mean like I've thought about getting old and, and like truthfully I don't really see myself getting old like I just kind of have never thought I've never been able to picture myself getting to a point where I'm old and I think that's a lot because I I don't know like I am a bit of a cynic and I am a bit of a pessimist and I mean, I would call myself like a realist, but I'm certainly not optimistic about the fate of the world and the country and my life in the future. Like, I definitely can fall really easily into the spiral of like, nothing matters, money doesn't matter, the job that I have doesn't matter. Like, nothing matters because in however many years, I am fully convinced that within my lifetime, the earth will be uninhabitable at some point for some reason. And I like really, I don't, I really think it's like... And, and this is me probably, I know that this is an irrational thought. I actually kind of think it's like silly and naive of people to save for retirement. <laughs> I know. And I know that people, I, I know that I could get flamed for that. But like, and I know it's like the responsible thing to do. And I don't actually think that you're doing something wrong if you're saving for retirement. Like I'm obviously happy for you if you are making enough money to save for retirement. Someone like me who barely makes enough money to pay my expenses now I don't even have to think about putting money away for retirement because I if I did that I wouldn't have any money to buy my fucking groceries in the present day but like I really like whenever someone mentions like a 401k or like a Roth IRA I'm like oh chic like you think you're gonna get old that's fun and charming like I <laughs> I can't relate and I am allowing myself to be able to change that like I know that someday I'll probably care about retirement like I'm allowing myself to be open to changing and for the situation to change and I would really like for the world and America and, and whatnot to get their shit together but I just like don't really have faith in that um but you know like if I'll come back on this mic and eat my words if in like 50 years if I still have this podcast and I'm like 76 sitting here to record in GarageBand version 112.2 um and, and if I need to, I'll get on here and I will say, hey guys, I actually did get old and I did need retirement money. And I regret saying that. Okay, so come back and check back in 50 years, okay? If you're listening to this in the future, look forward to that, okay? <laughs> 20, that is gonna be in 20, 2074. Anyway, yeah, I would kind of like hope that someday if I am like similar to how people who aren't confident in their ability to be a good parent or provide resources to their child or, you know, be in a fight, like a stable spot to raise a child, choose to terminate a pregnancy. I would hope that if I'm ever at a point and I'm elderly and I, you know, can't afford my health care and I can't afford my 
living arrangement. I can't afford my rent, my gro- Like if I, if it gets to a critical point like that, I would also, I just like I would want to terminate a pregnancy, I would want the option to terminate my own life you know and I think that I should be able to make that decision and I think we all should be able to make that decision and I'm honestly not like there were some people that were like oh my god it's so dystopian to think of like euthanasia becoming like a common practice and like I think that like if we're I I don't know like I'm not gonna get into like all of the talk about like forced euthanasia because I know that's a rabbit hole we could go down and speculate and conspiracize about but that aside like I don't think that the idea of like deciding to euthanize yourself is dystopian. Like I just think, I don't know. I just think that people, especially in America are just like so fucking weird about death and dying and, and abortions and euthanasia. And like, I don't know, like not to, not to like dismiss it too much, but like, can we all just like fucking chill out? Like to compare it to abortions. I, as a pro-choice person, don't care if you individually don't want to have an abortion. That's fine. I think that you should allow other people the choice. Similarly, I don't think that by me saying I am pro-choice, I think that people should be allowed to euthanize themselves. I don't think that everyone should have to want to. I totally get it if you don't want to euthanize yourself ever. But I don't think that that should stop people from being able to. Anyway, all of that got me thinking about the San Junipero of it all. And if you're not familiar, I wasn't familiar until a few months ago, like maybe over the summer. San Junipero is a, I think from season three of Black Mirror, and I am not a Black Mirror girly. Historically, I have not watched Black Mirror, um, but recently Ty has been like hand picking episodes that he think I'd like. He's like, oh, I think you'll like this one. Let's watch this one. And he's always right. Like, I always do like it. The one that I am actually never not thinking about is the episode called San Junipero. And maybe warning for slight spoilers, if you haven't seen it, like I am actually going to suggest that you like turn off the podcast, turn on Netflix and watch that fucking episode. Um, But if you don't have time to do that or you just don't want to, I'm going to catch you up, okay? It is an episode about this like reality where when you are old and dying or like sick and dying or whatever you can upload your consciousness to this alternate reality where you can then continue to live not in your body just in your consciousness and like it's this really beautiful it's hard to explain if you've never seen it I'm doing a really bad job at explaining it but basically the point of the story is like I think this girl the lady who is like the the protagonist in the story in the episode and it's like an hour and a half long like this this episode of Black Mirror is like as long as a feature film and genuinely better than a lot of actual (laughs) movies that I've seen I can't get enough I actually am probably gonna go watch it tonight after I finish recording this because it's gonna make me cry But the woman in the story got into some kind of accident when she was in her early 20s. And she's basically been in like a vegetative state since then. And she hasn't been able to like speak or communicate or like basically be an active participant in her own life. And so she uploads her consciousness to this alternate reality called San Junipero where she is then able to like live out her 20s and do all of the things that she was never able to do because she was 
so severely injured. And it's this beautiful, like, queer love story because the other woman involved in the story also, like, has her consciousness uploaded to San Junipero. And the, I don't, I can't remember the, the, I can't remember their names, but, like, the late, the, the two women meet each other in this alternate reality and, like, fall in love. And it's complicated because the, the one woman had never been able to, like, really live her life beyond like her early 20s and the other woman was closeted and married to a man her whole life before her death and like she did genuinely love her husband and like had a very beautiful life with him but but in her death she was able to like fall in love and like live out you know a second life with this woman that she loved and it's just like a really beautiful story and it actually like it made me feel very hopeful (laughs) because I feel like most like Black Mirror episodes and like media that is commentary on like the future and like how dystopian like technology is going to get like it's oftentimes a very cautionary tale but this one was kind of like uplifting in a way and it made it didn't it made death seem not so scary and like I don't know my first reaction when I when the episode was over was like fucking sign me up dude upload my consciousness to San Junipero right now I want to go to there. Anyway, yeah, I don't know. That was just kind of like floating around in my brain. And it was kind of like I was thinking about that. And then I was thinking about euthanasia and like death and whatever. And like, honestly, I love how at the beginning of this episode, I was like, I'm going to keep it so light. And I'm literally ending talking about euthanasia and uploading your consciousness to an alternate reality after you die. But honestly, I like... I know that a lot of people are probably going to like would have like a a gut reaction to that of like bad doesn't make me feel good makes me feel scared. It makes me feel comforted. I feel like my my worst fear genuinely since I was like a child has been having like dementia or Alzheimer's or something where I like forget who I am and who I love and what I've done like I that is my biggest fucking fear I just I don't even want to live and like I am scared like I am I am scared about my future like if I do ever get sick or have some sort of like disability or chronic illness like if that ever happens to me like I am kind of fucked and it's a lot like a lot of people in America you know like it wouldn't just be me like a lot of people in not even just in America in the world would be in a similar situation um of like living a life of misery if they if if they were ever to you know become disabled or sick or something like that um or like start forgetting everything like that's my that, I, I don't know why like that makes me get like itchy it makes me feel like I'm getting hives when I think about like having like dementia and just like slowly like unraveling like I actually can't get too far into that or I am gonna start freaking out but that is just like my biggest biggest fear in life and to think that there's an op an option there's a reality where I am able to like put myself out of my misery if something like that were to happen is really really comforting to me being able to live forever is not comforting to me who is that guy that's like a biohacker who's like trying to become like 19 again hold on hold please Brian Johnson he's some like tech billionaire he has been for the past few years like documenting his process 
his unhinged process of trying to reverse his biological age. And for the life of me, I don't know. Like, and he, it cracks me up because I've listened to podcasts. I think Maintenance Phase did a bonus episode maybe where they touched on him. But like at one point he says verbatim, like, of course I want to live forever. Who wouldn't want to live forever? And I was like, what the fuck? Who wants to live forever? But then I remembered that he's a tech billionaire so maybe if I also had a billion dollars that could sustain me through the next 20 lives that I'd want to live, I would feel different about wanting to live forever. Do I want to live forever in my current situation? No. Like if I had to live forever living paycheck to paycheck and doing my taxes, I don't want to do that. But hey, maybe if I was Brian Johnson and I could buy whatever the fuck I wanted and go wherever the fuck I wanted, I'd want to live forever. But I don't. I don't want to live forever. It is scary to think of the fact that I could be like for like, okay, you know how there's some hospitals that are like Catholic hospitals or like Baptist hospitals. I don't know. I'm so dumb. But like they're religiously affiliated hospitals. So like they like actually legitimately cannot pull the plug on you even if you are like brain dead even if your next of kin has like whoever has power of attorney over you like has said that you want to be taken off life support like they will not take you off life support because of their religious affiliation like that's fucking scary first of all I don't believe in God second of all why does God care so much if I live (laughs) like what does he need me what if I am a vegetable laying in a hospital bed brain dead why would God want me to live, okay? I don't get it. Why would he want me there? I am not his strongest soldier at that point and he cannot give me his toughest battle. So yeah, on top of like being scared of living forever, I'm also scared of like being kept alive forcibly when I'm like suffering. I don't know. That's like, that's a whole other thing. But I don't know. I just, moral of the story, it brings me comfort to think about having options like this in the future, even if it is really far off, even if it is lofty goals and like technology that we're not going to be able to achieve. It's comforting. A lot of the times thinking about technology advancing and AI robots becoming sentient, it makes me feel nothing but dread. But thinking about a reality where I could upload my consciousness to the cloud and fuck around for another x many years with my with my friends like yeah I'm down for that you know sign me up I'm in well you guys I think that it's time for me to sign off it is time for me to land this fucking plane smoothly you're barely even gonna feel the wheels touch down because of how smooth this landing is gonna be this episode was definitely all over the place but at this point when is it not you know what I mean that's kind of like what I'm assuming we've come to expect I don't have any new five-star reviews to read this week, but that could change. If you want your five-star review read on the podcast next time, go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. Even if you don't listen in Apple Podcasts, like I made, Ty doesn't listen to Apple Podcasts. He only listens to Spotify, but I made him go into his Apple Podcasts app and write me a review anyway, okay? And so, like, if you are thinking, oh, Olivia, it was your birthday on Wednesday. Like, I missed it. I didn't get you a present. That's okay. You could always just go write me a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. No harm, no foul. 
Make sure to follow or subscribe to the show if you are enjoying your time here. I would love for you to be along for the ride and never miss an episode. I release a new episode every single Monday. And if you'd like to follow the podcast on Instagram so you never miss an episode, that is going to be at ObscuraPod, no periods, no underscores. If you would like to keep up with me, myself, and moi, that is going to be Olivia Stober Studios on Instagram and on TikTok. Maybe I'll see you there. Maybe I won't. I hope to see you next week. Um, And if you made it to this far in the episode, as always, here is a big, fat, sloppy kiss on the forehead. How was that? Enjoy. Okay, I love you. I'll talk to you soon. I hope you have a good week. And adios.